title of my message this morning is Soap. <laughs> it might be something that you might, hopefully you'll never forget. I went to church and I heard a sermon titled Soap. Um, if you would open your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, I'm going to preach on this message called Soap, Washing Your Hands. Um, several years ago, many years ago when our girls were, were young, um, we spent time at amusement park. Have you ever been to one of those water parks before at amusement park and they have those ginormous buckets that are like way above your head? You ever seen those? Right? They fill up with water and you just kind of stand there and wait, right? And you just wait and you wait for that bucket to finally tip over and it just douses you in water. Who's ever done that before? Okay, right, we did it at a park, Hershey Park in Pennsylvania. And um, we would just sit there and we would just wait for like minutes and the anticipation was building. And for, for whatever it was, eventually that one drop of water was the water, the drop that made it tip over. And I like to call it the tipping point. And so we'd wait and wait. And I remember like sitting there and all these hundreds of gallons of water would just come crashing down on us. And then we'd do it all over again. But there was that one thing that tipped that bucket over, that one drop of water that made it tip over. And it's kind of like, I relate that in our prayer life. Maybe sometimes you've been praying for a long time, waiting, expecting, anticipating. But how many know there will eventually be that one time that it just hits the tipping point and breakthrough comes, amen? And it's just like you finally realize what you've been praying for finally comes and that thing made it just tip over and you're ready to receive that. And so I want to set up the scene of what is happening here in Mark. Man, my hand smell are good. This is kind of like I don't usually preach with this fresh soapy smell. But I want to set the scene of what is happening in Mark chapter 9. And, and, and uh, this, this happens to be the portion of Scripture where we find Jesus on the mount called the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, and if you're familiar with stories in Scripture, and if you're not, I'm going to try to give you an explanation. But if you're familiar you know that the Bible says that Jesus took three disciples to this top of this mountain, right? Uh, Peter, James, and John. And so we understand that the other nine, some people think the other nine are like the JV, <laughs> you know, and that, that Peter, James, and John are somehow like the varsity. But, but I don't see it that way because Jesus understood that at the bottom of the mountain, there would be this boy who would be there, he was demon-possessed. He was like foaming out of his mouth. And so the other nine have to deal with that. But Jesus is up on this mountain with these three. And they literally get a, a glimpse into heaven. They, they get to watch like Moses and Elijah appear there at the mountain. How, how cool is that? Like, like we have Moses who died and now he comes back on the scene. He's there talking with Jesus. We have Elijah who didn't die, right? He was, he was caught up uh, in a chariot of fire, which is pretty awesome. Wouldn't that be a pretty awesome way to go, like in a chariot of fire? I hope somebody would like have their camera out ready to, to videotape that. That'd be so awesome. So we have this, this picture of these disciples watching this happen. And here's, here's the scene, and they, they witnessed this. And how many know, it, it was just like Peter. Peter did what? He interrupted the conversation, as he did often. Like, like he interrupts 
the, the conversation. Like, how do you do that? Like, here's Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, and Peter decides, now is a good time for me to interject my opinion on something, you know. And, and, but what he says is, like, this is so awesome. Can't we just stay here? Like, like I want to, like, build a shelter. I want to stay here. I want to camp here. I want, can we just stay here in this moment? And that's kind of, but how many know Jesus' purpose was not to stay on the mountaintop? His purpose was to come down from the mountain and to go to the cross. What was happening was Jesus was having a conversation uh, with Moses and Elijah about the cross and things that were to come. What, a, what an amazing conversation that must have been. And if you remember, God the Father then interrupts Peter. Peter interrupted that conversation, so God interrupts Peter, and he says, like, could you please be quiet and listen? Like, like Peter, stop talking for a little bit and listen of what is actually happening. happening. So that's, that's kind of the scene, and what an amazing scene that is to kind of visualize, like, these three watching this conversation on the mountain. It says that, that Jesus was, like, literally, like, just glowing from the glory of heaven. Like, he, they were seeing heaven right there. But now they got to come down the mountain. The Bible says when they came down off the mountain, there was, like, an enormous crowd of people there waiting for them. And they, they rushed up to, to the, the disciples. They, they rushed up to them. And, and of course, Jesus. And they, and they rushed up to him because of the situation that was taking place while they were coming down the mountain. Something was taking place that the other disciples were dealing with. And this is where we are. Verse 17 of Mark chapter 9. That's kind of the situation. That's what's just happened, as amazing as that is. Let's start at verse 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, who's Jesus, of course, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes in him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation. Some, some translations say you faithless generation. But he said, you unbelieving generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring me the boy. So they brought, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled over, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? It sounds like a doctor would ask. Well, how, long, how long have you had this ailment? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for what? One who believes. Keyword. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Smart man, right? <laughs> I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. 
After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately. Here's the key verse for today. Why couldn't we drive it out? Like, like these nine, like while you were up on the mountain talking, I mean, they didn't have the full story probably yet, but they knew he was gone. While this Mount of Transfiguration, like why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Some translations actually say by prayer and fasting. So like these are like, these are the disciples. Uh, You would think by now they would understand the the significance and the power of prayer, right? I mean, we know that Matthew uh, 5, 6, 7, it talks about the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus even gives the Lord's prayer and teaches how to pray. Right here we find he's, he's saying it can only come out through prayer and through fasting. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would speak to our our hearts and minds today. Not just another message, not just like 89 minutes of church and I'm good for the week, but like literally, God, that we would learn to pray to you every single day, all day, Lord, we would have conversation with you. Your word says that you crown the year with goodness. I thank you, God, that you've crowned this year, 2020, with goodness and and. and uh, Paths of abundance. Lord, I pray that our lives would be uh, uh, represented with goodness and abundance. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before I go any further, would you just shake, we didn't greet one another, would you just shake someone's hand next to you? Just greet someone. If there's no one next to you, just find somebody. Just do it. You don't get up too far. Just stay in your area, okay? I know when I say greet, but there we go. We're good. All right, amen. Everybody shake somebody's hand. All right. Once you're done shaking a few hands, go ahead and be seated. Okay. So they say that globally, four out of five people do not wash their hands after they go to the bathroom. (laughs) How many right now are wishing you could come up here and use my soap? Four out of five people do not wash their hands when they come out of the bathroom. I cannot tell you how many times I have been to the gymnasium, which lately hasn't been a lot, but it's been some. <laughs> but, but I've been there before, and I literally will watch people use the bathroom, guys use the bathroom, and just walk right out. And I go up to Heather, I'm like, I just saw like three guys literally use the bathroom, and they're on that machine right there. Yeah, it's just gross. How many think that's just kind of gross? You just shook a bunch of people's hands. But I'm sure everybody that was here, to, everybody here today, I'm sure that you shook hands with the people that thoroughly washed their hands. Aren't you hoping that they all thoroughly washed their hands? Yeah, I think you probably will hope that is the case. Four out of five humans on the earth, when they use the bathroom, don't wash. Which, which I think is devastating. I, for a lot of reasons, it's devastating. As, as a result, people around the world have, uh, have many preventable diseases uh, as a result. You know, it says many, many kids especially um, suffer from this. Listen to this. 6.6 million children will not reach their fifth birthday because of preventable diseases. 6.6 million kids will not reach their fifth birthday this year. And the primary killers around the world are diarrhea and pneumonia. How many of those are both very preventable? By simply washing your hands and, and, and cleaning yourself, uh, these can be 
prevented in many cases. In most instances, they can be prevented. It says, actually, if people around the world would just wash their hands before coming out of the bathroom as a rule, that diarrhea deaths would be cut by more than half, and that respiratory diseases would also be cut by one-third, just by doing something as simple as washing their hands. Now, hopefully after church, some of you in this church will run to the bathroom and wash your hands. <laughs> hopefully no one. I'll, I'll speak that, that we're all cleaned up. Now, the interesting problem about this situation around the world is that the problem isn't that people don't have soap. Okay, that's not the... Matter of fact, I know these are some interesting stats you've probably never heard before, but most homes in the world have soap or have access to soap. Believe it or not, it says over 90% of homes, even in underdeveloped or developing countries, 90% plus have access to soap. You know, soap has been around since 2500 B.C., um, when the Babylonians discovered it. So like soap has been around for a while. It's normal. It's, it's available everywhere. It's relatively inexpensive. It's something that we all have access to. But here's the thing. In many homes around the world, what it is, soap is reserved for special occasions, which is interesting, which is strange. It, it's reserved for special occasions. It's, it's viewed as a luxury uh, uh, they wash their clothes, they wash their dishes, and when they take a bath, they will use soap, but they don't use it all the time. It's not viewed as something that you need to use every day. So here we have people dying because of something that is very preventable and something that could be fixed. It's like this child in the scriptures we just read. This child in this scripture, like he, he's dying, right? He, he's, in grave, uh, he's in a grave situation, and, he, and he's dying, um, we have people dying, like I said, not because they don't have access to soap, but because they're not taking advantage of it. And this will make sense in a, hopefully in a few more minutes, but I want you to kind of get this idea of what, what this real situation is. And interesting, interesting, we have these disciples in this story that we just read out of the gospel, uh, and they are unable to cast out this demon. They were unable to help this child in this situation. And if you remember, Jesus comes and they're like, why can't we do it? And what was his response? Remember, he said, why? Because you can't cast out the demon if you don't pray. Like, like you have access to me. Like, Jesus is like, I'm with you all the time. You have access to me. But for some reason, you're not using what you have. And I think we all understand, we all have access to the Word of God, don't we? It's very accessible. It's right here. But it amazes me how many times people will just kind of fumble and stumble over basic things, and it's, it's right here. And we are carrying all these issues and all these problems throughout life because we don't access the thing that can set us free and wash us. Amen? We have it. But we're no different than many people who don't wash their hands. I mean, like, they, they can do it all the time, but they choose not to. Therefore, they carry diseases. And I think sometimes we carry stuff in our life, and God is like, I already provided. Like, we, we pray these prayers like, I've tried everything. I've even tried praying. Now, God, it's in your hands. And I mean, sometimes God's like, no, don't stop praying, right? Never cease in praying, right? The Bible says, right, never stop praying. Constantly let prayers coming out of your mouth. 
And like, like for me, I have to learn how to, first of all, pray for others, but I need to learn to pray for myself. Can I say that again? You need to learn to pray for yourself. Can I get it? Amen. Like, like if, if, you're, if you're struggling with something, if you're struggling with someone, maybe you should say, Lord, how can I pray that I would have a greater understanding, that I would have a greater love, that I would, that I would learn how to, like, to minister to this person and, and help me to overcome the situation that I'm going through. Like God has given us access to something that can set us free. Amen? It's right there. It's not a mystery. It's not like this big, like far off thing, like where the pastor or the leaders, they know how to get in touch with God. No, we are all in the same thing together, right? He made it very easy. So the disciples are like, we can't do anything about it. The nine. Uh, like we tried, which by the way, let me help you understand, which by the way, they had done successfully before. You remember many times that Jesus had already sent out the disciples on many assignments and, and they, they literally would come back to Jesus and say, like, like, it's so awesome. Even demons listen to us. So they, they had done it before. Like, like, like we do ministry in your name, Jesus, like, and it actually works. And so Jesus said, just remember don't brag about the great things that you've done for me. Just be excited. Just be stoked, really, that you know me, right? It's not about what you've done for God. It's like the fact that I just get to know him, amen? It's like I, I, I just rejoice that my name is written in heaven. How many know for us in this room, that in itself should just give you enough reason to be excited today? The fact that my name is written in heaven. Like, that's awesome, here in this passage, remember, so Jesus is on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, these threes, and the other nine disciples, like I said, they, they had tried to cast out the demon from this boy from, who had this from childhood, which is, which is a tragic thing to think about these the symptoms. The father was describing these symptoms, like, like the, the, his body would just be hurled on the floor and he would convulse and foaming out of his mouth. I mean, that's just a, what a terrible thing. And so the, Jesus tells them, like, Remember, he says, the problem was you weren't praying, you weren't fasting. See, fasting and prayer creates a dependence on God. And, and, and a dependence on God, which we foster when we pray. Like, a dependence on God is something that we foster, like we, we nurture when we set a time to fast and pray. And so, it's, it's like a time devoted to seek the Lord every day. So the disciples couldn't help this child. They, not because they didn't have access to what they needed, but because they didn't take advantage of it. Church, we have access to the one who created the heavens and the earth. Amen? We have access to, to pray. Lord, I pray today that you would enable me to, to do these things, to get through these things. Amen? But how many know we live sometimes like Moses and we have all the excuses of why I'm too busy, why I have all these things, Lord? But how many know we need to learn to set aside time to pray and have access? Maybe like us. Maybe they made the mistake of treating prayer sometimes like some people around the world use soap like using prayer only for dire situations, using prayer for only special occasions. But I pray that prayer would not just be something you do at mealtime, right? 
How I many know it's important to pray before we, we, we eat, we give thanks. But I pray you, you learn to pray beyond mealtime. Like, like you, you learn to develop this, this ongoing conversation. Like, like, it's not good enough if I wash my hands at 9 o'clock in the morning and I don't wash them again until the next day. I mean, Heather might think that's gross. And you might think so too. I hope that you know that I washed my hands before I came out here this morning because I'm praying for people. I'm laying my hands on your forehead. Aren't you thankful that I washed my hands? I had access. Now, if I would do that once a day or once a week, that would be pretty, I'm going to go back to the 80s. That would be gnarly. <laughs> that would be gross. I have access to soap in my office, in my home, to, to hand sanitizers. You know, but I, and I scrub it, and I get it real clean, and I clean it all out, and it, it's good. It's like prayer. We can't just say, like, like, I prayed once this week, God, and now, like, why aren't you showing up? It's like we have access to pray to God continually. Amen? It's an ongoing thing. Ongoing. It happens. It's like I like to say, newsflash, prayer shouldn't be a last resort. It should be our first line of defense. Amen? Prayer should be the first thing that we do. It's paramount. Seeking God is paramount. The church in America needs to learn how to pray again. People around the world are bringing, and, and I listened to a Francis Chan sermon this week. I love Francis Chan. I mean, I find myself sometimes like almost like emulating him because I like him. I listen to him so much. And he was talking about like when he goes around the world, like, like, that, like they're praying for like these crazy miracles and people are like just asking for all this kind of like stuff that we don't ask for in America. Like demons being like uh, uh, cast out of people, limbs being restored, right? All these things. He's like, and they, they, they see it happen. And he said, I, I sometimes I come back to America and I'm very discouraged with the lack of prayer, with the lack of faith. And, and it's just like, God, when are we going to see this? Like, how long? It's got to start with a generation, right? It's got to start individually. Like, God, I, I want to come back to that life of prayer. Churches struggle all the time because they leave the heart of prayer behind. Like, how many know we should have a service once in a while where we don't even sing hardly, we don't even hear the, like, we just come before God, get on our faces, and just say, God, have your way in our families, in our lives, and we just seek the Lord. Like, Jesus, before he, before he was betrayed, you know, like, he, like, can you even pray for, like, one hour? And maybe for some people, it's like a whole hour. That's a long time. Like, no, it's a beautiful thing when you learn just to converse with God. The problem is sometimes we're so busy. So busy. You know, I, there's no doubt. I, there's no doubt that they tried to do a lot of things for this child. We know that they must have been like trying to like figure out what is wrong. We got to do something, this poor boy. But I, I think I have a, a quote. I want to put this up here. If you would go to the next slide. The reason they were powerless wasn't because of what they did do. It was because of what they didn't do. I think many times we try to do a lot of things for God. Like we, we, we try to do the right things. We do these things. But we have to ask ourselves, what am I not doing? It's, it's what they didn't do. Maybe, maybe like you feel stuck in your, in your walk with God you do this for God, you do this for the church, or you feel kind of stuck in your walk. And, uh, um, you know, it, it's okay. Like, like you say, well, I post, I post godly, you know, scriptures online. And that's good, right? How many that's good? Um, I sing ch songs at church or I listen to the radio, Christian radio. 
But he said, I just, I just still feel stuck in this place. And like, I want more. Maybe the problem isn't in what you're doing, because those things are okay. Maybe the problem is what you're still not doing. Like, like, we need to ask ourselves, like, God, what am I not doing? Like, why am I stuck? Why am I in this place of, like, of not moving forward? Like, what am I not doing? And so maybe what it is, we need to take time to, to fast and pray and to cultivate a, a, a sense of, like I say, a sense of, like, humility. Like, God, I'm just so thankful and grateful. And I want to give you one thing. I actually have three, but I'm going to do one this week. I'm going to do the next two next week. That will happen if you give yourself over to a life of fasting and praying. Three things that will happen. Number one, very simple. It will slow you down. Say that with me. It will slow you down. Now, how does that make sense? See, because many times when you're feeling anxious, when you're feeling uh, uh, sluggish spiritually, I, I often notice it's when people are in a hurry all the time. And how many know we live in a culture that everyone is in a hurry? Like, I got to get going, I got to go here. And you're like me. I'm like always like, I got this, I got this, I got this. How many know we live in a hurried culture? We're all rushing around all the time. And, and some of it is, uh, we can't stop it. It's just things we got to do. But, but I noticed that when we pray, we intentionally have to slow down, right? right? There's a beauty in that. Like when you get on your knees and pray, there's just like this, like, I can't go anywhere right now. <laughs> like, I can't go over there. I can't do this. And if I turn all the stuff off, and there's just like this beauty, it slows me down. And I find that when I spend these moments in prayer, and I get on my knees, and I just say, God, help me in these areas, it slows me down. And I think there's, some, there's beauty in that. And we find many times that Jesus often went to pray. I mean, he had crowds of people. He had, he had endless responsibilities. Like, he knew his time was short. He knew that he had to train these 12 to take the gospel message. It's like, it's like here today, like God is saying for us in this room, God is like, I need to train everyone in this room to take the gospel message. One or 10 or 15 of us can't do the job. We need all of us to learn how to pray and to seek God and take the message. So Jesus had this assignment of, of, of raising up 12 to take the gospel. And the disciples did. They started right after he passed. They went all over the world. But there had to be moments where Jesus even slowed down. And I think sometimes that's what's missing. We're, we're, we're so in a hurry. But we need to say, Lord, I need to set aside some time and pray. And how many know it seems so basic, but it's so powerful, isn't it? And, and we don't, we all have like reasons, but we all have access, don't we? We have access all the time to prayer. The problem is we're not always using it. Lord, I pray that I would, I would wash myself, I would cleanse myself, I would come, and I would just like stop what I'm doing and spend this time doing something that I know is so good for me. It's so healthy. Prayer. And I want to ask you in this room, how many in this room prayed for somebody this week other than yourself? Amen? All right. I want to ask you today to pray for somebody today. I want to ask you to like, not only to pray for yourself, but to pray for somebody every single day and, and say, God, who is it in my life that I, I just feel led to pray for this person? I'm so thankful. I've had people text me in the last couple of weeks 
they'll text me and say, hey, do you have the number for this person? And I'm always like, yeah, why? You know, like, what do you want to do? They're like, I just want to call them and pray for them. I'm like, that is so awesome. Amen? I'm like, I love that. I love getting those text messages. Those are the kind I love. And it just blesses me when I'm like, people are praying for one another. I find that when I set a place and I seek this place to set aside for God, this, I make space for him in my life. There is more of me left over <laughs> than everything else. Like, like when I set aside that time and I, and I slow down a little bit and I just say, Lord, I'm going to set aside this time, I find that the rest of the day there's a lot more of me left over. Prayer is powerful. And, and it's just amazing how this happens. You know, um, I don't know if you ever watch TED Talks, but I, I find some of the TED Talks very interesting. I'm going to give you a TED Talk right now. We'll call it a Pete talk. There's this really interesting, crazy, <laughs> strange TED talk I saw. It's got these numbers that are just absolutely insane. They're crazy. And um, it talked about paper towels. You know, we, how many, we all use, at one point, use paper towels. It's, you know, some people try not to use them, and I actually think that's a good thing. But we have them in the bathrooms. We have them, you, know, you go to public places, paper towels. But listen to this, 13 billion, with a B, 13 billion pounds of paper towels are used in the United States every single year. I mean, that's a lot of paper towels. I mean, it takes a lot of these to make a pound, right? 13 billion pounds is thrown away. That's a lot. And the first thing I do is when I, I think what they say to do is you, when you wash your hands. Now, I did this on purpose. Did anybody notice after I washed my hands, I did this? Did anybody catch that? When you wash, this, is, this will make sense. When you wash your hands, they say you're supposed to do this 12 times. How many know that takes time? You got to slow down to do that. Are you, if you're like me, I'm in a hurry. I don't sit there and feel like one, two, three, four, five. There's 12 spies. Or there, there's 12, I mean, there's the 12 tribes. There's the 12 apostles, right? There's this. I start counting all the things that are 12, right? Anyway, I think that was more than 12. And then you take a paper towel, and if you do that 12 times, you only need a little bit. It only takes a little bit. The whole point of that is this. And if you take time to slow down, you won't waste and I think we waste a lot of our time in life by rushing around all the time. Like, like we're in a hurry all the time. If we, if we would just take the time, amen, and just slow down a little bit and just say, Lord, would you just work on me? How I many you know, during worship sometimes there's that moment where I just, I just want to soak in the worship. And I stop worrying about how long I've been standing or how long this has been going on or who's doing this or who's doing that. I just say, Lord, I just... Just slow me down a little bit so that I can just stay in your presence. Like there's those moments like in prayer when you just finally connect and you're just talking to God and you just like, you slow down a little bit. It's amazing what happens. Like now I don't have to just run through my life and just wasting time. And how many know life comes by so fast and it hits you so fast, like Ferris Bueller said prophetically, right? Life is so fast. Before you know it, you're like, where did it go? 
Where did the time go? Like, I've wasted all these years doing all these things. And I don't want to be that person that said, I just wasted time. I just wasted time. I want to spend my time getting to know the Father. Amen? And I want to understand that I have access all the time to something that can, that can cleanse me, that can wash me, that can set me free. I don't need another 12-step book. I don't need another, like, help. Those things all help. But what I really need is spend time with the Father. I don't need, like, like for pastors, there's a few of you in this room. You've been to many seminars where there's, like, five pillars, 12 things, five, right? How many, Dad, we've been to those seminars. They're all good. I have binders and binders in my office of folders of all these things to do, right, to help me. But what I really need to do is learn to spend time with the Father more. And I, I'm thankful for that. When I go to con- I'll, I'll, this, matter of fact, this whole week, starting tomorrow, I'm going to be sitting in a boardroom with about 10 other pastors all week for board meetings for the region. And one of the things that blesses me as we come together as brothers and sisters in Christ, the very first thing that we do, Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock, I have my first board meeting in Dayton, Ohio this week. The very first thing we do, we spend about two hours in prayer. And that's literally what we do. We just say, we all have so much going on. We are all so busy. Let's just take some time and hear from God. And I can tell you, sometimes I've been in these board meetings. Dad, you've been in these board meetings. I sit there after 30 minutes. I'm like, I re- we should really get going. I start getting impatient. And it's at that moment where I say, God, I'm so sorry that I'm in a hurry all the time. Let's slow down. Amen. Okay, I want to close with this. Ravi Zacharias, who's an amazing uh, a, a apologetic teacher, he has a book called The Logic of God. And he, he talks about the day, uh, I'll take a large pizza with that call right there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> he talks about the day when he was in Russia and he was there with his wife at a museum looking at beautiful paintings of art. Uh, Ravi talks about, he was looking at these paintings, and the whole time he kept talking, looking at his wife, like nudging her, like, come on, let's go. This is boring. Let's go. I want to go. We got more things to do. We got more things to see. And he's like, they went all the way to Russia to sightsee, and he was in such a hurry. And he was looking at these paintings that were thousands of years, hundreds of years old, probably, not thousands, but hundreds of years old. And, and he, in this book, he said that he was in such a hurry, he finally convinced his wife, like, let's go. I want to go do something else. I want to eat. And so um, a couple years went by, and he was reading another book by an author by the name of Henry Nowen. And this author by the name of Henry Nowen tells a story in his book about how he was at this museum in Petersburg, Russia. The same museum that Ravi Zechariah was in with his wife, and it was like in a hurry, and he didn't want to stay, and, and, and he's just like, let's go, I want to get out of here, we got more things to do. Well, Ravi was reading this book from this author, whose name is Henry Nowen, who said that he was in the exact same museum. And he said there was this painting in the museum by Rembrandt, and this painting was a painting of the prodigal son. It was an actual painting by Rembrandt of the prodigal son. And this author, uh, Newman, is his last name, uh, he said that he stared at that painting for four hours. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, I've looked at some paintings for a while, but four hours. Like, he said he stared 
everything slowed down, and he stared at this painting for four hours, and he said it was right there in that moment that it changed his life. He said as he was staring at that painting of the prodigal son, he was reminded of that story in Luke chapter 15 when the parables is told about, you know, the lost son. And, and he said he, he, God changed his life in that moment and, and called him into ministry, called him to, to, to change the world, gave him all kinds of, he said he, he stopped and sat there for four hours. And Ravi Zacharias said that he felt like such an idiot. He's like, because he said, I looked at that exact same painting and I glanced at it and thought, that's cool, but I want to get out of here. He's like, I missed something that was so, like God used that to speak to somebody. He said, I was in such a hurry. Maybe God would have spoken to me too if I would have looked at that. And I think sometimes it's true that we can get in such a hurry that we can miss what God is trying to speak to us. Amen? Like I encourage you, like when you read the Bible, like, like stop and just think about it for a second. Read a verse or two and just sit there and think about what it says. Like, like, I don't want to be in such a hurry and be like, okay, I read the Bible for five minutes, I'm good. Like, I did it because I, that's something I'm supposed to do. I don't want to do things just based off the fact that's what I'm told to do or that's what I'm supposed to do. I want to do things based on the fact that I want to spend time with the Father and really get to know Him better. Like, I, I just, just want this to download in our spirit. And in that same book, Ravi quotes... Uh, A.W. Tozer, uh, some of you probably heard of him before. Uh, it's, he has a devotional called Mornings with God. It's kind of like, um, have you ever heard of uh, Charles uh, Oswald Chambers? That's his name. Uh, My utmost for his highest. Um, this is from a devotional by A.W. Tozer. And this is a quote of what he says in his book. And Ravi uh, uh, shares this after this whole painting thing. I have often wished that there were some way to bring modern Christians into a deeper spiritual life painlessly by short, easy lessons. But such wishes are vain. No shortcuts exist. May not the inadequacy of much of our spiritual experience be traced back to our habit of skipping through the corridors of the kingdom like little children through the marketplace. Like, I just want to spend time with God. Chattering about everything, but pausing to learn the true value of nothing. God has not bowed to our nervous haste nor embraced the methods of our machine age. It is well that we accept the hard truth now. The man who would know God must give time to him. Isn't that profound and deep? Like, to really know God, we need to learn to spend time with him. Amen? A very simple elementary thing that we learn in the church that we often need to be reminded of. We need to spend time doing something that we have access to. We all have access to prayer. Like right now, even in your spirit, I sense that some of you right now, even during the service, have already, many of you have already been praying today in church, haven't you? Like, like you've been commu communicating with God throughout the service. I mean, during worship, I'm blessed. I can hear behind me, and sometimes it's the people who are closest behind me, like you right there. Like I can hear prayers, I can hear, and I'm like, yes, Lord, amen? It's like, like this whole communion with God, spending time with him. 
Or, as this other philosopher says, Yoda. <laughs> if you end your training now, if you choose the quick and easy path as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. That's a little bit harsh, Yoda, but I understand what you're saying. If you end your training now and choose the quick and easy path. How many know it is a lifetime of dedication of being discipled? You will never stop being discipled. It is my heart. You know, Carter, I'm up here praying over you, and, and one day, he, you know, I, I asked him. I'm just going to be, it's okay. I'm trying not to embarrass but I asked him. I said, has everybody ever, I've said it before in church. I said, has anybody ever asked you if you wanted to give your heart to Christ? He's like, no. Well, I said, do you? He's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, And that's awesome. But how I many know that was the beginning of the training? It's going out now for the rest of his life, the rest of your life. What are you doing right now in training to know God more? Like, like, like what are you studying? I wish I could sit down with each and every one of you today for lunch and say, tell me what you studied this week. And I hope you wouldn't give me a blank answer. I hope that we can talk about what you're studying in the Word of God. You could probably tell me about things that happen in Hollywood. You probably tell me about some movies or celebrities or sports, right? We all know that stuff. But I also hope that we can have a conversation about what God is doing in your life. Amen? Tell me what God is telling you. Like, you have access to, to God. Are you using it? We all have access. Let's stand. And we'll close in prayer in just a moment. I'm going to let you go. But I, I have two more quotes. I want. First one is this. God wants to spend time with you. Slow down a little bit and give him that time. Like, just slow down for a second. And you might have to create time. Like, like you might have to say, like, okay, instead of doing this or watching this or, 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 or playing this game on my phone, I might have to, like, take a little time, right, and spend that with God. Like, make the time. It's worth it. It's more, I mean, it is everything. And then, and then I want to put up another quote that I, I put up last week because I want this to sink into all of our hearts. I felt very strong about this quote, and I want this to be something that you're reminded. Protect your future by living carefully right now. Like, I just felt that again in my heart last night. Like, I just remind the church, like, we are God's people. Like, all of us are in this together. And not only do we need to like just come back to that place of spending time with God. Remember the disciples, we're talking about these nine disciples, they were with Jesus all the time. Even they were told, you need to pray more. Like, like this boy who had this demon, the, the problem wasn't probably what you tried to do, it's the fact that in preparation for this moment, you haven't been praying. And I don't want to just pray when something comes up. Like, I don't want to just pray only when, uh-oh, a situation has arised. Now i got to start praying. No, I want to begin praying now. Amen? And I want to start, like, saying even way before anything happens, Lord, that you just created me this atmosphere of prayer. And, I, and I'm learning to talk to you all the time. And one of those things that we can do is protecting our life. By living carefully now is praying and fasting. Like saying, these decisions that I make. I, I had a sermon many years ago, and it was titled, Deci Decisions Determine Your Destiny. Like, like, I want to make the right decisions now to protect my future. 
And so now wherever you're at in your life, start like today is a new day. Would you pray with me as we just talk to God? We're just going to spend a moment. And, and how many know God has already, he's, he's been a part of this entire service. We're not waking him up right now. We're not saying, hey, 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 you. No, he's already been moving in your lives. He's been speaking throughout this entire day since, since you laid your head to rest or even woke up this morning. He's been involved in everything we do or say or think. But now corporately, we're just saying, God, we thank you for, for the opportunities that we have been given to, to have access to, to your word. And like God, there are, there are literally people around this world. There are martyrs. There are people, there's the underground church. There are people who, who literally just have pages or maybe a, a section of the Bible. And, and it's all they have, but they wear it out by reading it so much. Lord, we have so much in this nation. We have access to the word. We have it on our phones. We have it on our devices. We have it in, in, in the, the books that we hold. God, I pray that we would spend that time with you. Just like this soap analogy, that we would really get in there and really spend that time and not being in a hurry, but really uh, uh, asking you to cleanse our heart and cleanse our lives and cleanse our minds so that we won't carry things and we won't waste time. But Lord, you will create that time for us. I just want to pray over you corporately and I'm going to say a blessing and we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, now, this word, this day, those songs of worship, that time of prayer, communion, everything that was done and spoken here today, Lord, I pray now that we would apply it. It doesn't do much good if we just leave it here, God, that we would apply these things and we would recommit our life to prayer and fasting and knowing you more. No matter where you're at in your journey with God, that you would just say, Lord, I, I, I want to keep growing. I want to just keep being discipled because I don't know what tomorrow faces. But because you live, as we sing, I can face tomorrow. And I don't want to wait to pray until something happens. I want to get to know you and pray even way before. So when those things come, I'm not this overwhelmed. I pray a blessing over each one as we go now. God, that we will be used, we will, we will be refreshed, we will be encouraged. I pray for those that have uh, appointments this week, that have tests at school, that have obligations, that have doctor visits or, or, or procedures, Lord. God, that you will have your way in each one of our lives. That as a church body, we will pray for one another. We will lift one another up we will encourage one another. And God, we will find those moments to spend time with you again. I pray this, seal it in our hearts for once and all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember next Sunday, hey, we have a great service. Once again, the word, the worship, and then we have a fish fry. And I hope you can come out for that. This week, Wednesday night church, have a blessed week. And I'll see you in a week. God bless you. God bless.